You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I don't know who thought it would be a good idea to make it four degrees in October. Um, and I'm being a little bit um, sarcastic, I guess. It's not really the right word. But I'm I'm tired of shivering. I, <laughs> I'm, not ha- I'm not okay with this. Took a few pictures yesterday because it was crazy, but I went on my walk and it's like, the leaves are still like orange and yellow, and they're completely covered in snow. And I just, I don't remember that ever happening before. I don't know. Not happy. But anyways, today is day two officially of, uh, you know, the, the give back thing. And lucky everybody, we cracked 500 on Instagram. Meaning, at some point today, when I get home from work, we will be doing another jersey giveaway. Which means two very important things for you. Number one, get in the Facebook group, because I'm not going to be doing this dumb paywall thing with the video anymore i'm just going to be doing a live video in the facebook group and not live it'll be recorded showing who won the new jersey so if you want to see if you won today you got to be in the facebook group otherwise you need to be listening tomorrow to see if you won the jersey if you don't feel like doing either of those things you ain't getting the jersey because it's only going to be announced here as well as in the facebook group And the winner will be given three days to redeem the prize before we move on and pick somebody else. Also, got some very, very um, good news for you for giving back. Give back November, December. There are a couple more giveaways that are going to be mixed in. So the original plan was 500 and 700. There's going to be jerseys. Uh, Now there's going to be a midway giveaway. So at 600, there's going to be a two, or excuse me, an eight by 10 signed picture of Johnny Holland. That comes with a certificate of authenticity. The uh, There is also an 8x10 Dean Lowry that is signed and comes with a certificate of authenticity. And that will be given away to one of the Packer fans against cancer donors. So if you did not listen to yesterday's episode, kind of a whole big thing, but kind of a gig, give back thing that I'm doing with the jersey giveaways, the autograph signing giveaways going to be making some shirts, some cool designs and everything that you guys have been working on in the Facebook group, which at this point it's kind of whatever. I got a list. But also I started a GoFundMe for the uh, Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. I set a goal of $1,000 for Christmas. I'm hoping we can get there. And again, somebody that is uh, donating to that will be getting the signed Dean Lowry uh, 8x10. And I just want to give a special thanks to Brian. His name is Private, so I'm not going to say what his last name is, but I can see his name because I'm cool like that. But thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very, very much. I was getting all sad and stuff because nobody was giving anything to it. And I was like, oh, come on, man. Like a dollar or something? And then a, uh, a $95 donation comes across, and I was just kind of blown away by that. 
Needless to say, we're uh, we're ahead of schedule with that one donation. So again, if if you wouldn't mind, just just there's a link in the description. It's right beneath. There's a description in the description of what the episode is about, which is like a half a sentence because I just don't feel like filling that dumb thing out. I hate it. Underneath that is a link. Just click it and check it out. And again, for the people that are like me that are skeptics that are like, yeah, right, I bet this is stealing the money. I literally can't even touch it. It's directly linked to their account. I have no access to it. The only thing I can do is push a little donate button that shoots it off to them. And I'm hopeful that I'll be able to push that button come Christmas this year and uh, be able to help some people that, um, you know, could use a lot of help. As for the t-shirts, uh, we'll, we'll finish out the top 10 list, but it's kind of, you can tell that it's not really a matter of what the best shirts are at this point. Because even when I first started, there were two really, really popular ones. And then when I did it the second time, I assumed the second one would win by a landslide. And then, you know, it would be after that. The second one didn't even get like a vote <laughs> the second time. So it's all very random right now. So um, anyways, I, I just got to figure out the best possible way to go about this. And so I've got some variables that I need to work through. One thing I'll throw out there, and I'm very hesitant to do it. But if there's anybody listening that is a graphic designer, and please listen to me when I say this. Because I'm at a point where I've worked with so many people that aren't good at stuff that I just don't feel like being nice anymore. <laughs> in other words, I used to just be okay with it and be like, okay, that's not good, but we'll just do I don't know. So unless you're very, very good at like graphic design stuff, please don't reach out to me. I don't want to be mean to you and tell you you're not good at stuff because I really want to do some awesome designs. But I, I'd rather start with somebody in the group if I can because I like working with... I've, had, I've got right now a lot of great... Working with a lot of cool people. So I want to keep that going if I can. I mean, even the person making my shirts is someone from the group. Doing the Instagram giveaways is someone from the group. Running the, the Packernet Facebook uh, stock game is someone from the group. So if you are a graphic designer and you're very, 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 very good at it, hit me up and we'll work something out. If you're just kind of good or like you can do textual stuff, like fancy text swirls and I'm talking graphics, bruh. Like hand-drawn, artist-type stuff. Maybe not necessarily hand-drawn, but that's the level of, of really good at stuff you are. If you're not that, forget it. Forget I said anything. I got other options. Sound good? Alright, with that, um, I just got a message from a friend, actually, wanting me to discuss the uh, Aaron Rodgers mustache controversy. Today is going to be about the L.A. Chargers, but let me talk about the mustache for a second. Um, I, I really don't like it. I, I understand that I'm weird that way, and it's like this big thing, like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is so cool, I love the mustache, we're so good. Dude, it looks terrible. Stop it. I just, I, I don't know. And I feel like a bad fan because I'm, I'm, I'm all about the Gardner Minshew thing because it just works. It's just like, it doesn't really work for Aaron Rodgers. I just, I don't know, just just shave it off and go be a quarterback, man, I don't know. Or, or, or grow out the beard or something. Like, it's kind of cool because he's kind of goofy. And I'm kind of goofy, so I kind of like it. But he also has this kind of way about him that's just like he's real quiet. So it's, I just, I don't, it's it's weird. It's like I don't get it. I just, I just, I don't like it. Just get rid of the thing, please. And he did, so awesome. Let's move on now. Them's my thought on the mustache. Anyways, let's take our break and take a look at the Los Angeles Chargers. So as I've mentioned plenty of times, if you guys are going to the game, I'd love to see some pictures of it. Make sure you shoot it over to, um to me in some kind of way so I can put it up on Instagram. I love seeing those photos of, of you guys at the game. Got a bunch of them for the Chiefs, but I haven't heard a lot of people committing to this game. If you are going, let me know. And if you're planning on going, 
you got to make sure you're using Vivid Seats. Download the app. They make it super simple to get the seats that you're looking for. They've also got, as I've mentioned several times now, the loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back in what they call Vivid Seats Rewards, so that'll go toward your next purchase. When you download the app in the App Store or Google Play, you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee, so no matter what you're doing, whether it's the Packer game or whatever, you can be confident in the tickets that you bought. So whether you're planning on going this week or not, just make sure you download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. I don't want you to forget about it and then go buy tickets somewhere else because we've also got the promo code. And for new users, when you enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout, you're going to receive up to a $100 discount. And as we've talked about, that will probably come in pretty good handy if you're going to the the Chargers game. Because it's pricey. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So I suppose today we will start with the injury report once again. Yesterday we got very, very, very good news. Every single player, this is a massive injury report, every single player was in a helmet yesterday. So pending any injuries within you know, practice or whatever, this is a, I don't want to say perfectly healthy because people are really banged up, but um, everybody's a full go right now, with the exception maybe of Devontae. We don't know for sure. The Chargers have already talked about the people that they have on uh, IR. I mentioned yesterday that they had three people that didn't practice. Two of them still didn't practice on Thursday. That's Brandon Meebame and Corte- uh, Cortez Broughton. Um, again, these are defensive tackles. So the defensive line of this group, although they do have an unbelievable group of pass rushers, the interior of the line is pretty banged up. In addition, however because lest you think that they're actually getting healthier, no, 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 this is the Chargers. Three more people were added (laughs) to the did-not-practice list. Jeremy Davis, the wide receiver, has a hamstring injury and did not practice. Roderick Teamer, the safety, has a groin injury and didn't practice. Thomas Davis Sr., the linebacker, uh, didn't practice for non-injury-related reasons, so we could assume he'll be back. But yesterday they had three people that didn't practice. Today they have five. Clearly going in the wrong direction there. General overview of the team. Right now, the L.A. Chargers are 3-5 and five under Anthony Lynn. The offense was directed by Ken Wisenhunt. However, he was just recently fired because they were not happy with the production of the offense. Now, um, I mean, you look at what happened when Mike McCarthy got fired. Not that this is the same thing. But there might be some question as to, well, maybe Ken Wisenhunt was the problem and we bring somebody else in and things are actually going to get better. So we should expect the Chargers actually to be better than they were. I just don't think so. It's not impossible that the person who was under Ken Wisenhunt, who was just promoted to that spot, is actually smarter, and that's why they did it, right? He's better at understanding how to do this, and Ken Wisenhunt is just a big dummy and whatever. More than likely, this was just a matter of, I want you out of the building because you're really bad at this, but we don't really have a backup plan, so we're going to throw this guy in. In other words, I don't expect this to make the offense a lot better. In fact, what you end up with is not only... um, is it not that this coach is necessarily more qualified because uh, the guy's name is Shane Steichen, something like that? Not only do I think he's not necessarily as qualified because he's never held a position like this before. So there's there's also the unknown, right? Like all of a sudden you're the play caller and all this other stuff. But beyond that, there's one less person that's actually doing work. So preparation becomes a problem. When you're preparing for the Green Bay Packers, you have one less person. All the stuff that Shane used to be doing 
you know, as the quarterback coach and everything else, he, he's now taking on a new role. So he's taking on the role of the offensive coordinator. He's not as good as it. And so there's just, there's just less people to do prep work. And assuming he's still acting quarterback coach, which I'm guessing he is, he has less time to prepare as an offensive coordinator. He has a less experience uh, preparing a game plan for this game. There isn't actually a very good reason to believe that this is going to help the offense. And if you look at what Anthony Lynn's quote was, he said, it just felt like it was time. If I was eventually going to do it, why not just do it now? We have eight weeks left in the season. We still have everything in front of us that we want. Which really, I don't agree with that or disagree with that thinking. Everybody seems to hate that. Like, no, you gotta just, why would you fire a mid-season? And I don't know, head coach is maybe different. But I just, I don't get that. I tend to agree with the way of thinking of Anthony Lynn that, listen, if I'm planning on firing the guy, why don't I just fire the guy? Like, I don't want him here doing this job. I've already decided I don't want him here doing this job. But out of respect, I'm going to leave him here and keep paying him to be here and to do a job terribly and, and not do things the way that I want him to do things. No. But again, this is not a matter of I wanted to promote this guy because he's a whiz, whiz kid. It's a matter of I wanted to fire <laughs> um, Ken Wisenhunt. I was planning to fire him anyways when the season was over. And the team is really bad, so I was like, all right, fine, let's just do it now and just promote somebody else. Because there's all, it's, it's the same thing like what the, what the Bengals are doing. It's a perfect analogy, actually. The Bengals benched their quarterback, Andy Dalton, longtime quarterback, right? I don't believe they did it necessarily because they think that their uh, rookie, Ryan, uh, Ryan Finley. I don't think it's necessarily because they think he's a better quarterback. They might, and maybe he is, but that's kind of the point. We know we're moving on from Andy Dalton. We know we're going to be getting probably a top three pick, potentially a number one overall pick. We know there's a lot of really good quarterbacks available. So doesn't it make sense to bench Andy Dalton, let Ryan Finley play the rest of the year, and see if maybe we don't need a quarterback? I mean, we probably do, and the odds of us not taking a quarterback are very slim. But what what are we doing here with Andy Dalton? Let's let Ryan Finley play. Maybe he ends up giving us the Gardner Minshew treatment, which, you know, to be honest, even if he's Gardner Minshew, it's still hard to pass up on a guy like Tua. But he, th- there's, there's no reason not to do this. And I think that's the same thing the Chargers are doing. We know we need a new offensive coordinator. Why don't we see if we have one in-house first? Let's start in-house. If this doesn't work, then we'll go find somebody else. If it does, that answers the question. Rather than wait till the end of the year then fire Ken Wisenhunt, then have to decide should we hire from within or go from without, with zero understanding of if somebody we hire from within is actually going to work. Why don't we just do it now and find out? But again, the point is, from our perspective, this isn't a matter of this guy is going to be better. This is a matter of, I don't want this guy, so let's go ahead and promote who we think might be the best option and see if they can possibly do a better job. But his first week doing this, having zero experience doing this, no experience as far as, as game planning and everything else and, and, and controlling an offense. And again, a problem that the Packers had is one less person doing a very, very important job. All of these people have a very important role in preparing for the week ahead. The most important person is gone. So it's much more reasonable to believe that they're going to take a step back. Maybe at some point he can settle in, kind of get the hang of it, possibly have some better ideas, make this thing work a little bit better, maybe. But again, I'm viewing this much more like the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm viewing this much more like the Packers getting rid of Mike McCarthy last year. This is a situation in which somebody needs to go. We're planning on doing it anyways. The season is basically bunk. 
It's not going to hurt us to get rid of this guy because he's doing a terrible job. So let's just get rid of him. Let's hire somebody from within. It's just a Hail Mary. Probably isn't going to work. We'll see if it does. If it does, bonus. If not, fine. I wasn't planning on hiring from within anyways. We'll go out and find a new offensive coordinator, and that'll be that. But again, the the, the main crux of this is perfect timing because this is best-case scenario for the offensive coordinator to be fired the week that they need to be preparing for the Packers. It's also a demoralizing thing. Look at how bad the Packers were after Mike McCarthy got fired. I mean, they were bad all year, but, you know, they ended the year just getting completely obliterated by the Lions. I've never seen the Packers get beat that bad before. I mean, if I have, I don't remember. Just getting blown out. The team kind of gave up. And, and, and I talked last year a lot about the importance of the locker room. It, I, it was constant. This year, we see the fruit of that. Everything I was saying yesterday about how important the locker room is. There's no question the locker room mentality is the reason we have as many wins as we do. Because it's ultimately the reason that they end up winning in the end. All these games are very close, and all these games could have gone a different way. Or most of these games, anyways, could have fallen a different way. A couple different plays break a couple different ways. You know, a couple field goals go differently. A couple touchdowns. This, you know, tweak a couple things. But it's that never give up, never quit on your team, going that extra mile, doing that little bit extra to come out ahead with the win. That, that, that all comes down to the heart and the desire to play with and for each other. Locker room is incredibly important. And the opposite of that is when you're signaling to your team that we're done. And firing your offensive coordinator is a signal to the team. Even You can say all the words you want. You can talk about we're not done, everything we need is still in front of us, we're still talented, and all these things might be true, and intellectually all the players might believe it and understand it and know it. I shouldn't say believe, they, they intellectually know it, but deep down in their soul they know that the season is basically over. They're 3-5, and five, they're injury-riddled, their, their offensive coordinator just got fired. These are all the signs of a really bad team that is about to get blown out. To make matters worse, they, they have almost no chance of, of winning their division, being with the Chiefs. Although I shouldn't say that. The Chiefs could very well be 5-4 and four after this week. So with a win, they could be one game back. But right now, they're third in their division behind the Oakland Raiders. They have the same amount of wins, but the Raiders only have four losses. The Raiders were mocked incessantly, and they, they really do have a bad roster. And this has been my critique of the Chargers since forever. The Chargers have a good roster, but have no idea how to use it. And Anthony Lynn came in and kind of did a good job of, of making it better in that regard. They're starting to be productive. We saw last year. All of a sudden, they're like, what, a 12-win team or something? That's what I felt like their roster was. And the injuries and everything else kind of stack up, and I understand that that's bad, but you still have a good roster. You have a talented quarterback, talented wide receiver, a talented running back, uh, one of the better edge rush duos in football. you got some good corners. I mean, you, you've got stuff that other teams don't have. Again, your, your roster is heads and tails, even with the injuries, uh, ahead of where the Raiders are at. And John Gruden has, has brought this team of nobodies to three wins. Anthony Lynn has a cast of, of, of really good football players and can't muster more than three wins. And so, again, we, we're going to look at some of their standings and their roster and things. But there's a deeper thing that's going on here. It, it, it could go the opposite way, depending on the team. Some teams might look at this as a rallying call. You know, everybody's counting us out. Everybody's against us. We're going to show the world, and we're going to come out and play with a vengeance. But I feel like if that was the, the heart of this team, we would have seen more wins by now. Because everyone's been talking trash about you for a long time. Everybody's been counting you out for years, and you never step up and rise to the occasion. In fact, you do the opposite. 
You've got talent. Nobody expects you to be able to figure out how to use the talent, and then you don't figure out how to use the talent. I mean, seriously, can you imagine how many teams would kill for Philip Rivers, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, and your left tackle is Russell Okong? Granted, the rest of the offensive line is pretty bad, but really, I mean, you are the Minnesota Vikings in a way. You've got a good running back, a, a talented enough quarterback who's imperfect but shows flashes of being really good, and you've got two really good receivers in Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. Granted, yours is a tight end and they've got two wide receivers, but look at the difference. Granted, the Vikings have a defense, but okay, let's look at yours. They've got uh, two good pass rushers and you've got two good pass rushers. By the way, you've got Casey Hayward, who is better than any of the corners that the Vikings have. And you don't have linebackers, and I get that, and you don't have safeties like they have, and I get that, but how does that make that big of a discrepancy between them being on a serious charge to the playoffs and you guys are just sitting around wandering, walking into walls? And that's just a comparison between a team that's very good. What would John Gruden do with this roster? I mean, look at the Buffalo Bills. They don't have a single receiver on their team. They don't have a running back. They don't have Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. They have none of those things. They don't even have a quarterback that's as good as Rivers. What are you guys even doing? And so it it creates this thing where I look at the, the Chargers and I have no respect for them, and I feel like we should be able to walk in and take advantage of this. On the other hand, you look at, the, again, the pieces in the roster, and it's like, I don't know, man. Like, if they figure out that they're good, we might be in trouble. They obviously have no idea, and that's to our advantage, but... I just, I just don't get it, man. But anyways, before we look at their roster, let's continue on with uh, kind of some of their team category statistic type things. Their offense right now is currently ranked 23rd in points. Again, points, sort of important, as well as 20th with turnover. So those, again, are, if you're going to look at categories, those are kind of important. Their, their offense has not scored more than 20 points since week four. And they've only scored more than 20 points twice. Once in week four against the Miami Dolphins, they scored 30. Once against the Indianapolis Colts in week one, they scored 30. Every other game outside of that, Detroit, they scored 10. Houston, they scored 20. Denver, 13. Pittsburgh, 17. Tennessee, 20. Chicago, 17. And of course, they lost every game in which they didn't score 30 points or couldn't muster more than 20, however you want to phrase it, with the exception of one, and that was in Chicago against the Bears. (laughs) who couldn't muster um, enough points to beat a Colts team, excuse me, a Chargers team that uh, scored only 17 points because it's the Bears, and they're just really, really bad. Uh, Defensively, somewhat of a different story. Turnovers are also 20th, so they're not great in turnovers. However, they are 10th in points. Ironically, um, their offense has scored 157 points. Their defense has only allowed 157 points, so the exact same thing. However, looking at this list again, how many of these teams have good offenses? Colts, Lions, Texans, Dolphins, Broncos, Steelers, Titans, and Bears. If your thought was maybe just the Steelers, you're probably right in the Steelers. Or why, do, why can't, what is going on? Texans, maybe just the Texans. You would probably be right. The Texans won and they scored 27 points. Also, if anybody in the group is a doctor, and I know I've done this once before and I did have somebody reach out, maybe specifically a neurologist, I don't know. We should talk. There's something not right. Uh, As far as turnovers, again, they're also 20th. They have 10 turnovers. I think I might have said that. Uh, Kind of an interesting dynamic on this team right now. They are fifth in passing attempts, meaning they like to pass a lot. This is very reminiscent of the Packers last year. 
There's talent, but they can't do anything, and they're insistent that they just do nothing but throw the ball. Fifth in passing attempts, which I think is what the Packers were last year. Third or fifth, one of the two, I don't remember. And 28th in rushing attempts. Again, it's the Packers. Now, to be fair, they are better at throwing the football. Um, They're 17th in passing touchdowns, which isn't great when you throw the ball as much as they do. 20th in interceptions with seven, but they're ninth in net yards per attempt. So they do throw it pretty well, and running the ball has not been great. Um, 28th in attempts, 28th in yards, which is pretty standard. I mean, that's kind of what you would expect, right? 24th in touchdowns with only four rushing touchdowns, but they are 28th in yards per attempt, only 3.5 yards per attempt. So they've been really bad at running the football. Defensively, however, teams just do not run against the... uh, See, I'm telling you, man, something's wrong. They only run against the Chargers. They are ranked number one in passing attempts against, which isn't really a rank that you're doing. It just means that they are run against less than any team in football. Thrown against, thrown against. I, I, I Should I just call it for the day? Nobody throws against the Chargers. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Now you got me arguing with myself. Thanks a lot. However, they are their defense is ranked 24th, meaning a lot of attempts against. Teams have thrown against the Chargers 220 times. They have run against the Chargers 233 times. Now, that might just be the makeup of the teams they've gone up against. Uh, the Colts, for example, had a new quarterback for the first time, so maybe they were run-heavy. The Lions typically like to pass. Texans like to pass. Miami probably run. Denver probably run. Steelers like to pass. So I don't know. Yeah, Bears obviously run heavy. They made that determination prior to the game that they're going to commit to the run, um, which is a nice way of saying we really got to stop telling Mitch to throw the ball because that is not a good plan. So I don't know. I'd, it seems to me that that seems to be a concerted effort and plan going in, so you might expect that from the Packers. However, teams are only getting 4.2 yards of carry against the Chargers, so it's not that great. So I guess I'm not going to put a ton of weight into that, but it is interesting that nobody is throwing against the Chargers and everybody's running a lot. Something else to keep an eye out for, um, with the Chargers wanting to throw the ball a lot, I would expect, and I know game planning is supposed to be a little bit more tomorrow, but I would expect the Packers' defense to be a little bit more aggressive, getting pressure on Phillip Rivers, but also trying to make him make some mistakes. The Packers have not played a quarterback that is more interception-prone than any other quarterback with the exception of Dak Prescott. Those are the only two right now with seven interceptions that the Packers have played. The only other quarterback the Packers are going to play with as many interceptions um, is Jimmy Garoppolo, also with seven. So he's very, very interception-prone, essentially throwing around one a week. So look for Kevin King and Jair and all these guys to be trying to get out there and, um, I can't say that anymore, get their hands on the footballs, okay? Footballs. Grow up, Billy. Billy! I feel like a seventh grade teacher sometimes. I gotta watch what I say. Otherwise, everyone's gonna start giggling and memeing me. Of course, they're never flattering memes. It's always horrible memes. Bunch of memers. And the positive end of that is as talented as Phillip Rivers is, sticking with quarterback. Uh, he's currently ranked as the 11th best quarterback in football as far as his PFF grade. But really, the Packers have, have gone up against better quarterbacks already. Matt Stafford is ranked 9th, Kirk Cousins is ranked 7th, Dak Prescott is currently ranked 3rd. We beat all of those guys. By the way, for the record, for all those you would have lost if Pat Mahomes was there, blah, blah, blah. He's ranked 13th, all right? Get out of my face. And kind of, I guess, sticking with that theme, again, they have a lot to be afraid of. 
And there's plenty of reasons to say, you know what, this team has the talent to win this game. There's no question. You know, we'll look at, obviously, my bookie again today. It's it's sort of understandable why the the spread is, is where it is, because there is talent here. But again, look at what they have compared to what we've gone up against. And there's no reason for anybody to be quaking in their boots. Keenan Allen, very, very good wide receiver. He's currently ranked 22nd. Stephon Diggs is 17th. Kenny Galladay is 16th. Emmanuel Sanders is 14th. Adam Thielen is 8th. Amari Cooper is 5th. Tyreek Hill is 4th. So we beat all those teams, right? And those wide receivers. Wasn't always pretty, but again, it's not a matter of, oh, shoot, now what are we going to do? You know, Hunter Henry, very, very good receiving tight end. Darren Waller's ranked higher. Travis Kelsey's fairly close. Dallas Goddard's ranked second. Granted, we lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, but we've gone up against those caliber of tight ends before. Austin Eckler, very, very good receiving back. In fact, he's the only receiving back ranked higher than Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, who are ranked number two and number three, by the way. I don't don't know if y'all knew that or not. Second and third highest ranked receiving backs in football. That would be one thing the Packers haven't super gone up against. Uh, the, The closest comparison would be Miles Sanders, and so that'll be something to keep an eye on going forward. But it's not like they don't have the ability to practice for that, because again, the closest comp to Austin Eckler is Aaron Jones. The closest comp behind them is Jamal Williams. I think they can practice for it. And if we're just looking at running backs, I mean, Austin Eckler, as good as he might be as a receiver, he's not much of a runner at all. He's currently ranked 38th. Melvin Gordon is ranked 49th. Straight trash. If you look at who the best runners are in football, Josh Jacobs, Dalvin Cook, number one and number two. We beat both of those teams. Not super worried about it. In fact, probably every team we've gone up against has had better uh, runners than what the Chargers are bringing to the table. And a lot of it has to do with their offensive line not being very good. But we've, you know, Philip Lindsay with uh, the Denver Broncos is 7th. Ezekiel Elliott is 11th. Even LaShawn McCoy with Kansas City is higher. Jordan Howard is higher. Even got Royce Freeman, DeAndre Washington, and Alexander Madison. The backups for Denver, Oakland, and Minnesota are better than the best running back that the Chargers have. As far as our offensive line, this is the third worst pass-blocking offensive line in football. Third worst. The only teams that are ranked lower are the Rams and the Dolphins. The worst team on this list that we've gone up against is actually the Detroit Lions, which is surprising. They're ranked 26th, Minnesota 24th, Philadelphia 22nd, uh, the Chicago Bears 17th. So we've gone up against some not great offensive lines, but this is by far the the worst. Now, with Russell Okung coming back, Assuming he is going to play, um, it's a completely different dynamic. He, he is a talented tackle, so that changes things a bit. But um, they've given up 12 sacks so far on this year, which is ranked 11th. They've given up 28 hits, which is number one in all of football uh, by a factor of eight. The second highest number of hits on a quarterback is 20. And they've had 78 hurries on their quarterback, which is third. Cincinnati with 82 the Rams with 97. Total pressures on Phillip Rivers are second in all of football, 118. Aaron Rodgers has been pressured 85 times this year. Right? As a comparison, uh, I, I mentioned Phillip Rivers was hit 28 times. Aaron Rodgers has been hit eight times. So again, there's, there's, there's some talent here, but it's not a factor of something we haven't seen before, something we haven't already prepared for. The only real thing we, that we're seeing that we haven't really seen is a guy like Austin Eckler. But we've gone up against better wide receivers. I don't know if we've gone up against better quarterbacks. On the season, you could argue, argue Cousins, but clearly not on the day we played him. 
but uh, better running backs, much better offensive line, you know, even pass rushers. Uh, Joey Bosa is one of the best in football, but we've gone up against Khalil Mack. Probably the only one that really compares with Joey Bosa right now. But, I mean, even Daniil Hunter, Everson Griffin, uh, Robert Quinn, Demarcus Lawrence, Brandon Graham. I mean, these guys are on a similar plane. So it's, it's, it's going to be difficult. Because even if you look at things in, in, in their individual pieces, it's like, okay, we went up against Khalil Mack, who's better than Joey Bosa. However, Khalil Mack doesn't have a quarterback or wide receivers like the Chargers do. Or conversely, we've gone up against better wide receivers than Keenan Allen, like, for example, Tyreek Hill. However, Tyreek Hill doesn't have Joey Bosa. But again, it's a good unit, and I don't know why they're not winning. You got the sixth best pass rusher in football, the 11th best quarterback in football, the number one receiving back in all of football, a top three tight end, top five, whatever, in Hunter Henry. Casey Hayward is the eighth best coverage corner in football, one spot ahead of Jair. So why aren't they winning? I don't know. Don't know the answer to that question. But here we sit. As I go back to my bookie once again, still just four-point favorites. The, the, the total on the game keeps getting higher and higher. started at like 46. We're up to 48 and a half. What does this essentially tell This is telling me that Vegas, that my bookie is looking at this and saying, all right, the Packers win by not a lot, and it's going to be a high-scoring game. So if, if I were to give you my bookie's analysis in a, in a nutshell, the Packers' defense will not be able to contain Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and Hunter Henry. And they're going to score a lot of points. I mean, to kind of square all this, we're looking at a score of about 22 to 26. That would be a total of about 48, well, a total of 48. They have the game at 48 and a half. So maybe to round it out, 23 to 26. That's more or less what they're looking at. While we're on the topic, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but we here at Overtime have a little bit of a promo code for you. If you're wanting to do a little dabbling, maybe you're just outraged by these numbers and you're positive something is going to go a certain way, or maybe you're already involved in it, but you're on a different site. Let me just encourage you to give my bookie a shot. Take a little bit of that, that pile of winnings you got over there on some other site. Bring it on over to my bookie. Use promo code OVERTIME, and they're going to match your deposit, which is to say double your money. So if you just got a gut feeling about this, you bring over a couple bucks, you throw it in here, you can double your bet. But if you're, not, if you're nervous about that one and you're not feeling it, again, there's a lot of other games going on. Texans-Jaguars, Texans are a two-point favorite. I, I don't get that at all. Some, somebody's hurt or something with the Texans. I don't understand. Are they just bad now? or are the ja- Well, I guess Jaguars got Minshew going. They got that Minshew magic, so that's probably what it is. Uh, Redskins bills at 9.5. I just I, I can't imagine it. 9.5, and, and the total is 36.5. So a low-scoring game, but the Buffalo Bills get all the points, apparently, is what they think is going to happen. Colts and Steelers are at a point and a half. That's basically a pick. So if you got a feeling in that game, you maybe you want to go over there. Or again, there's also the option of picking who wins the division, who's going to win the Super Bowl. Or if you just want to get crazy, again, pretty much anything, you can bet. You can make a bet on who the next Pope is going to be. That's not me making a joke. That's a real thing that, that you can do. So again, anything that you're interested in, they'll take that action. We'll have some prop bets coming up later this week, which is essentially more specific stuff, like who's the first team to score or whatever. So again, make sure you sign up at mybookie.ag. Use promo code OVERTIME. They're going to match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME. New users get their first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I was thinking about it. This will be kind of an interesting little case study. I always like to, you know, posit a theory, put it out there, and see what happens. Last week, my thought was, this isn't a very good team, the Chiefs. I think we should win this one kind of convincingly. We should be able to beat their defense fairly easily because their defense is not good. That's even prior to them losing two key pieces. Then the offense, obviously they've got a tight end and a wide receiver, but outside of that, not a good quarterback, not a good offensive line. Not really a super great secondary weapon. And obviously it didn't go as I expected. The Chiefs were making a push. And, uh, you know, a team that's very good played like a team that's very good. Which kind of goes to what I've been talking about, but apparently it's not fully sunk in yet. Because I said what I said about the Chiefs. But that is that there's... there's Winning teams have a winning mentality, and they play like winning teams. It's not just talent. It's not just a matter of add up this talent, subtract the talent they're going up against, and find out if if you're a positive or a negative to see if you're going to win or lose. This is the perfect team to go up against next because this is a team that is talented but doesn't win. So I'm looking at it just, if I'm looking at this from a talent standpoint, I'm agreeing with my bookie saying, you know, yeah, Packers probably win, but I don't know, man. Look at those pass rushers. Look at Casey Hayward. Look at their quarterback and their wide receiver and their tight end. And, you know, they're getting their tackle back. And the Packers can't stop the run. And they got Melvin Gordon. And they got Austin Eckler with the receiving back. And there's, I don't know, man. So if I come at it with the same mentality I came at with the Chiefs, I would look at this game and say, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Yes, they've only won three games and just fired their offensive coordinator. I think it's going to be a tough game. However... If they play like a three-win team that just fired their offensive coordinator, the Packers are going to go in there. It's going to be a home game. Uh, you know, it's going to be a homecoming for Aaron Rodgers. They're going to be comfortable. They're going to have fun. They're going to be able to run the ball at will. They're going to be able to throw the ball relatively easily. And the defense is going to be able to handle this team. And it'll be a relatively comfortable win. So I'm going to go into this with the mentality of, I don't know about this, right? Because you could see it get go wrong quickly. Right? If we don't have an answer for certain things that they have, and they have a lot of things that they can do, this could get out of hand quickly. But if they go and play this game and win relatively convincingly, I'm not talking about like 45 to nothing, but if it's just kind of comfortable, right? They, they, they stay a score or two ahead. You know, you go into halftime and it's like 17 to, I don't know, to six, 
And then they get the ball at half and they score again and it's 24 to 6. And then maybe the Chargers come back and get their first touchdown and now it's 13 to 24. And you're kind of thinking, oh no, here comes a resurgence. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but our offense is still kind of unstoppable. So, you know, the defense maybe needs to come up with one stop to counteract our one or two mishaps or whatever. Still feel, you know, you know what I'm saying? Not like one of those games where you're just like, please stop being terrible at that one thing. Feeling like even though we're ahead, we're about to lose this game. And that would tell me a lot. That, that, that's really going to change my way of thinking about things. Because again, it's, it's, it's about locker room. It's about culture. It's about leadership. You know, they even showed, there was somebody, I forgot who it was, they showed something on Twitter and it was just kind of like a tale of two teams kind of thing. And they showed the Patriots sideline and they showed the Brown sideline. The, the Patriots sideline, there's, there's a yellow line and everyone's supposed to stay behind the yellow line with the exception of like the head coach and maybe a couple other people. Everybody else stays behind the line. You look at the Patriots sideline, everybody's sitting on the bench. When the play is over, you go to the bench, you sit down, right? Structure, discipline. You look at the Browns, everybody's wandering all over the place. You got players across the line, you got people, it's disorganized. That's a great example of a team that has a lot of talent, but no leadership, no structure, no discipline. John Dorsey built a great team filled with talent. Their head coach has no ability to bring this talent into a team. A pile of talent isn't a team. It's teams that win football games. And we're learning that this year. The big problem last year wasn't necessarily talent. I kept saying that. This was a 9-10 win team based on talent. It was lacking talent. But again, nine wins isn't a great team anyways. But they should have at least got nine wins just based on talent. But they're missing the structure. They're missing the discipline. They're missing the leadership. They're missing that camaraderie in the locker room. The biggest difference between... Last year and this year isn't Zadarius and Preston as much it is as it is the disparity between the two locker rooms, between the relationship with Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur, the relationship between the players, the attitude of the players, the, the I'm not giving up attitude. Again, the Packers could have lost any one of these games they've played this year. We've seen teams with the ability to run the ball, to throw the ball, to get pressure, to stop the run, to, to, to do whatever it is they, they want to execute, but the Packers refuse to give up. And so there's more to a team than talent. In fact, it, it's almost to the point where talent is secondary. It helps. But it's not what's going to get you the win. And, and again, the, the Patriots are a, are a perfect case study. We've seen, the right now the Patriots have a good roster. So you can look at it and say, well, yeah, they got talent everywhere, whatever. But we've seen the Patriots do really, really well with nothing. They've got Tom Brady, who has a mediocre offensive line, completely garbage, nobody wide receivers. Um, you know, Jimmy, or uh, whatever the big uh, mindless goofball tight end, Gronk, which is a perfect name for him, by the way caveman name. Gronk is injured. And he, it, you, you look at the Patriots and go, you guys got nothing. You're not going to win this year. Sorry, you lost so-and-so. You, you got rid of that guy. You don't have Moss anymore. You don't have him anymore. Ugh. And they still just beat everybody because talent isn't the point. Scheme isn't even the point, right? How many times have we seen coaches take that Earhart and Perkins offense and try to implement it somewhere else like the Texans or the Bills? And Those are the worst teams in football. It's not the scheme. It's not even the draft for that matter. They do a good job of acquiring talent, but it's not a matter of hitting in the draft. They, they haven't had a high pick in the draft in forever. They're not going out and getting Miles Garrett. They're not drafting any of the top elite players. They, they occasionally hit, and they do hit a lot, but they're not getting elite players. They're not even really super acquiring elite players in free agency that much. Most of the work they do is, is kind of rounding out the roster, just filling holes. 
finding role players. But it comes down to a structure, an attitude, a mentality, a discipline. And so again, I'm looking at a roster that has talent. But I'm also looking at a team that can't win. So what team we go up against is going to be interesting to me. How difficult of a game this is going to be is going to be very interesting to me. If this is a close victory or even a loss, that's, that's in a sense going to make sense because they have the talent to pull that off. Again, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, two running backs, a rece- you know, one of them being a very good receiving back, one of the better pass rush duos in football, one of the best pass rushers in football, very one of the top corners in all of football. Talent, 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 talent. 12-4 and four last year, tied the Chiefs. Everybody talked about the Chiefs and how great they were. Nobody talked about the Chargers, who had the exact same record. Same team, for the most part. Almost the exact same team. Same roster, same players, same coach. Everything's the same. 12-4 and four team. But it's a team that's been losing. It's a team that just fired their offensive coordinator. It's a team that can't come together and figure out how to win together. The Packers are the exact opposite. They're an excited team. They're a youthful team. They're an energetic team. They're a team that is filled with heart that never gives up. Now, they're not a talentless team, so I can't really give this diametrically opposed kind of look where you've got the David and Goliath kind of story. One team is good and one team is bad, but the, the bad team wants it more. But it is going to be important. And it's also important to remember that this isn't just a blanket statement because, again, the Packers have been playing like a team that wants it. They have been playing like a team with a lot of heart and a lot of energy, and the Chiefs haven't. That isn't to say that the Packers don't show up and feel like whatever, you know, they're in Cali, they're living it up, they're winning, they can't lose, the Chargers are no good, and they come in with this kind of lazy mentality. Whereas the Chargers kind of, again, they, they fortify under this, and they, they get motivated, and they're not going to lose in their house. They're not going to lose to the Packers. They're motivated by the fact that the Packers are 7-1, and they can beat them. So the energy that each team is playing with is going to be something to pay attention to, too. Because it's not something that you, you get at the beginning of the year and you just carry it on. It's something that you carry with you in each and every game and every single practice and everything that you do. And it's going to be important for the Packers to remember that throughout this year, to never lose that. Because that's what got them here. It's, it's not necessarily the talent. It's the heart. So, I don't know, it'll be interesting. Again, based on talent, it's, it's close. Based on the teams and what they're demonstrating that they're able to do, the Packers should absolutely stomp this team out, no problem. So, it'll be interesting. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.